Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Please join me as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship. Hear this call to worship from Psalm 113. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time on and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heaven, heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the day that we have to gather together virtually. Uh, thank you for all the good gifts that you have given to us, um, the gifts of technology that helps us to, to do this, to stay connected even though we aren't together. Lord, we uh, thank you for for um, your word and the things that you're going to say to us today. Uh, we ask that you would help us to have open eyes and ears and hearts and minds uh, to see and hear and to know the things that you are saying to us. Uh, grant us then uh, courage to go out and to be your kind of people. Help us to, to take seriously your mission in the world um, and help us to, to take it seriously by participating in the things that you are doing around us. Lord, we have lots of friends who are sick in a variety of different ways. Um, some have COVID, some have cancer, and uh, a host of other things. We ask in this moment that you would reach out and that you would uh, bring your healing to them. Uh, we confess that you were there at creation and that you know uh, how all it works, and that you're able to restore all things to wholeness again. And so on behalf of our friends who are not well, we ask that you would do that in these situations. And we ask that your kingdom would come on this earth as it is in heaven. Uh, guide us as we uh, worship today, as we continue to, to hear from your word, and uh, help us to be the people you've called us to be, to love you with all that we have, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen. Well, um, I invite the kids for our children's moment. And uh, kids, again, I miss you. I uh, hope that you're doing well. I hope all things are good in your life. And that if you have the coronavirus, please know that I am praying for you. Um, that it hopefully goes quickly and speedily. And that you won't miss too much school. Although, um, if I know kids, sometimes they'd rather miss school even if that means being sick. But either way, I hope that uh, you return to wholeness and health and uh, are happy. Uh, for those of you who are not, not, know that I'm praying for you too, uh, that, you, and that your school will continue to meet as well. Well, this week, uh, we're going to talk about another passage of Scripture from Luke. And um, it's going to have a little forgiveness. And I don't know if you've ever had to forgive some of it, someone, but it can be rather difficult. Um, and, but I want you to remember, as we talk about this, that the things that Jesus does for us, forgive us and, and help us to, to love others, 
that we are supposed to do to others as well. Um, that we are to forgive in the same way that God has forgiven us. And we are to love people in the same way that we have been loved. Well, I hope that this week, as you go about your business, uh, when someone hurts you, you can forgive them and that you can love them in the same way that Jesus has loved you. All right. Well, uh, kids, uh, I hope that you'll join us for the entire service, that you'll hear what we'll have to say and that it will not be too boring for you. I try really hard. Well, now Sam is going to come and read our scripture passage for this week. Sam? Today's sermon text is from Luke 4, 14 through 30. The passage will be on the screen for you, or if you please turn to Luke in your Bible. Then Jesus, filled with the power of spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that you, we have heard you did at Capernaum. <clears throat> and he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at, in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. Thank you, Sam. That's the word of the Lord for us today. Well, today we continue with Luke's gospel. And the last couple of weeks, we have seen Jesus be baptized, the Holy Spirit descend upon him, and the voice of God speak from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Um, we said that this was the beginning of Jesus' public ministry where he proclaims and in very real way signifies with, uh, with the Holy Spirit descending upon him like that, that he is the one who Israel has waited for, that he is Israel's Messiah and that um, good news is about to come, that uh, all of the things that Israel has waited for and hoped for in the Messiah have now arrived in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, we said that uh, right after that, after we hear the voice of God proclaim that Jesus is his beloved, the one on whom his uh, spirit rests, we are told that Jesus is led by the spirit again into the wilderness. Uh, the wilderness being a place in Israel's history of preparation and trial and temptation for 
the journey that lays ahead uh, for uh, for the salvation that God is bringing. For Israel, it's uh, entrance into the promised land. Uh, for Jesus, the end will be the cross. So Jesus is led into the wilderness uh, to prepare himself for what is coming. Well, it is there that he is tempted for 40 days by, uh, by the devil. And we said that the temptations that Jesus uh, is subjected to are not to gross debauchery and sinfulness necessarily, but to um, using his power as Messiah. Not to bring about salvation for creation or for Israel, for the whole world, uh, but to serve his own needs. Uh, needs for hunger, uh, for food, for glory, and for, for worship. Uh, but Jesus being who he is, um, God's Messiah, and in, in proclaiming his commitment to being God's Messiah in the way that, that um, is selfless and self-giving, uh, he resists those temptations and emerges from the, the wilderness, prepared to begin in earnest his mission in the world. Well, uh, Luke tells us, as we, uh, as we continue our looking at day, that Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Uh, word spreads all around that Jesus is uh, he's something special. Um, uh, perhaps maybe the story of his baptism has, uh, has gotten around in the 40 days that he has been in the wilderness. Or perhaps he's just begun to talk with folks as he's gone around the countryside. Well, today's story picks up in, uh, on the Sabbath, and Jesus has made his way to the synagogue, and, uh, and he asks for the Isaiah scroll to be handed to him so that he could read it. Now, uh, the synagogue was a place where, um, uh, where Jews would meet, Israelites would meet every Sabbath to hear scripture read and to discuss it and hear teaching on it. And we kind of get the impression that Jesus is no stranger to the synagogue. Uh, that perhaps what he is doing on this day is uh, the same thing that he has done. Uh, maybe uh, as a spectator, he's been there often as a lot. Um, growing up, we get the impression that, Israel, or that Mary and Joseph are a devout couple. Um, and that they would have brought Jesus up going to synagogue as often as they could. Well, um, we kind of get the impression that Jesus is handed uh, the Isaiah scroll, when in fact, um, it's most likely that Jesus requests to receive that, that scripture. And uh, he reads this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this is, um, this is actually a mashup of two different texts from Isaiah. Uh, from Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2 with a little bit of Isaiah 58-6 mixed in. And uh, what, our, what our English translations fail to represent to us is, um, is the exact, the things that Jesus are, is emphasizing as he reads and combines these two passages. Um, something is always lost in translation. And th there's a good, um, well, Jesus may have read this in Hebrew. He may have read it in Aramaic. Um, and its form is originally poetry. 
Uh, and, and anytime we translate anything, especially things like poetry from its original language, uh, we lose things like word order. Um, and in Greek, specifically, word order is important. Uh, regardless, um, our English translations miss uh, the structure of this passage that has some important things to say for us. And so um, a commentator that I've been uh, using to help prepare uh, for these sermons from Luke uh, provides his own little paraphrase that brings out some of the uh, some of the nuances that I think are important for us. And this is where I want us to spend most of our time today. Well, he, he um, puts it like this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me uh, to proclaim release. Uh, let me start all over again for that. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim captives release and to and to the blind sight to send forth the oppressed in release to proclaim the the year of the lord's favor um two things we need to notice here is first are the personal pronouns me um jesus is emphasizing very significantly um that the one that isaiah was talking about is himself is jesus uh that he is um that he is the one who is god's messiah uh, we may even get the impression uh, that Jesus is alluding back to the Exodus story. And if you remember that, uh, Moses is in the, in the wilderness and he sees a burning bush. And a voice from the bush tells him to go and bring about salvation for Israel, to let his people go. Uh, one of the things that Moses does, though, is ask about who, who is sending him. Who, they're going to ask, who's sending me? And God resp responds uh, with, I am. Tell them the I am is sending you, uh, which is where we end up getting uh, Yahweh. Israel gets the word Yahweh, God's name. Uh, and so by proclaiming me so very forcefully and so emphatically, uh, I wonder if Jesus is not hoping that those who hear him that day will hear echoes of I am. Uh, we don't necessarily pick up uh, on it in our English translations. Again, uh, we miss things. Um, but regardless, if you would have read it in Hebrew or in Greek, uh, this emphasis would have come through. So Jesus is proclaiming very, very clearly that not just that he is the Messiah, but that he is God come down to be with Israel, to bring about uh, uh, all of the things that he's saying here in this passage. Um, to bring about salvation for, Israel's, uh, for Israel and for creation. Now, the second thing is a series of infinitives, too. Um, and so, the Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus to do what? To preach good news to the poor, to proclaim captives for the captives' release, to restore sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, these are the things he is doing. We do not have to guess what it is that uh, Jesus' mission is. Uh, we see it very clear. It is to do these things. Uh, th there's a couple of things that I, um, that I think we need to notice here. One, uh, good news to the poor. Good news is, is um, literally, it is uh, gospel. That's what gospel means, good news. And so Jesus is bringing good news in word and in deed. Um, he is not just proclaiming forgiveness 
of sins and going on his way, but these are very concrete things. Now, when we see a word like uh, poor, we have very specific things in mind, I think. Uh, and uh, in Jesus' day, he was not just referring to those who were poor economically, uh, but poor could mean a whole uh, host of things. Um, it could mean people who were of low status. It could mean those who had health issues that uh, prevented them from participating in the life of the community. Uh, it could mean those people on whom shame has been heaped because of the behavior of, because their behavior or behavior of someone within their family. Um, Jesus is talking about anyone in any place, in any time, who finds themselves down and out and on the outside. Uh, Jesus's message is for all of those who find themselves uh, hurt in any kind of way. Uh, I think that's a, a reassuring message that we have today that um, in our brokenness, in our loneliness, even though we are not necessarily poor, uh, some of us might be, um, but that God's salvation is coming to us in, uh, in our poorness in all those other kinds of ways. Well, uh, he uses following three infinitives, and uh, these are important. To proclaim the captive's release, uh, to send forth the oppressed and release, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. All of these are in support of Jesus' main mission, good news. Um, and uh, so all of that is in support. All of those things are saying this specifically how God's salvation is going to come about uh, through Jesus. Excuse me. Now, um, <clears throat> the idea of, as we look at these um, infinitives in, in turn, uh, the idea of release in Luke's gospel well, has two kind of standard meetings. The first meeting is uh, release from sin or the forgiveness of sin. Um, Jesus, uh, well, in the mindset of the Jewish people, forgiveness of sin, uh, forgiveness and release was, was about being freed from uh, sinfulness. And, and sinfulness always had kind of physical and uh, social ramifications. Um, and so release was a forgiveness from, for those sins. Uh, it, it was a, well, it was a release from the sin, but it was also entailed a restored relationship and a restored belonging. Uh, to be ramifications of all those things was to be allowed back into the community in the fullest kind of way. Uh, that release saying, uh, what he is doing is now uh, welcoming us. He is releasing us from our sin so that we might be a part of his family. And with open arms, this is kind of how I imagine that Jesus welcomes us back in to his family. Uh, the movement, though, even though it begins with Jesus, I think for us, um, if we are to take up a similar mission, and I believe that we are, 
that as we proclaim release for those who have been captive to all sorts of things, um, that we too, like Jesus, are to open our arms uh, to restore relationship and to restore belonging within our community. Uh, I think this has to do, uh, I think maybe drug addiction is one of those things, right? So Jesus brings uh, release from drug addiction, and he welcomes those who are in bondage to those kinds of things, uh, to, to that, like drugs and alcohol. And he welcomes back into the family, and we too are to do the same thing. So that when we find people who have been released from bondage to things like drugs and all other things, I know I say that a lot because there's a lot of things we can be in bondage to. Um, uh, that what Jesus is hoping that we do is um, that we restore the relationship and restore those back to community. Uh, the second meaning has to do with release from debts. Um, so, uh, um, when, okay, so release of debts. Um, Specifically, this last line, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, this specifically means the year of Jubilee. And um, in the book of Leviticus in chapter 25, there was um, supposed to be a year when all things were forgiven. All debts were forgiven. Um, all lands that had been taken away because you were in debt, get, get, they go back to the families from which they were taken. And... Uh, all debt is wiped out. Now, there's no evidence that Israel actually ever did this, but it was every, like, 49 years. It was a Sabbath of Sabbaths. And uh, it, was, it was intended so that people could, would not be stuck in cycles of oppression and brokenness, um, but that the debt would be forgiven. Uh, I, I think, for us, this means... Um, well, for Israel, too, in the way that it was supposed to be, that it meant a letting go, uh, a letting go of the things other people o owed us. Uh, not just that, but it was a setting things right, that all of the wrongs and injustices that had happened would be, would be made right. Um, and for Israel, that's very concrete. Uh, I, I wonder if Jesus doesn't call us to that as well. Um, Here's, here's what I think, if we couch this in terms of forgiveness, uh, that forgiveness, if we are tasked with forgiving, means letting go, uh, and it also means setting things right. Uh, and here, here this, is, this is the movement that I, that I think I see in this on Jesus' part. Jesus opens his arms and... and uh, uh, brings us back into re restored relationship and restored community. Um, and he forgives all of the debts, all of the sin that we have, but it doesn't stop just there with the release from it. Um, and it doesn't just stop with being included back into the community with all of our other baggage still attached. It is a movement towards Jesus letting, setting things right. Uh, here's what I think this means for us. I think if we are called to do the same kind of forgiveness, of uh, same kind of ministry, um, that we are to let go of the things that others have done to us. 
We are to release it. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. But more than just that, more than just like forgetting what's been done, which I don't know if you can actually do, but you can forgive for sure. You can let it go. But that it is a movement on our part to setting things right. I think we get that backwards sometimes. I think we think about forgiveness as someone coming to us and maybe apologizing and then they need to make things right. Uh, you need to apologize to me for the things that you said, the hurtful things, the way you treated me. You need to apologize to me for the wrong that you have done to me and my family. And that's just not what we see in Jesus, in his mission. It's not what we see in his, in his movement towards us. Jesus, what he does is he forgives and he lets go, and, but he sets things right. That this forgiveness and letting go is offered to us even in the midst of our own sinfulness. Even in the midst of our own inability to ask for forgiveness and repentance. We want people to, who have harmed us to set things right, to make restitution, when the reality is in the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is bringing, the movement is the other way around. That, we, that Jesus moves towards us to set things right. And when we, we forgive, we need to move towards the other to set things right as well. I, I know that's maybe difficult to hear, and it's even more difficult to, to do. Because everything we have been taught, I feel like, leads us towards insisting that the other come to us to set things right. Uh, and that's just not what Jesus is saying here. Now, um, I want to back up and, and talk about giving sight to the blind. Uh, this isn't just, uh, this isn't just um, physical blindness, but spiritual blindness as well. Uh, that the full movement of what Jesus is doing is offering release uh, and forgiveness. We are no longer in bondage to sin. We are forgiven of it. God moves towards us to set things right, and we do the same thing. Uh, but the, he is actively, God is actively, through Jesus Christ, helping us to receive our sight. Jesus will do this literally, but it's not just about that. Uh, but it is also about us being able to see the things for the way that they should be. Uh, if Christ does not restore our spiritual sight, um, we won't restore people to relationship and we won't restore them to belonging in the community. If Christ does not restore our spiritual sight, Jesus, we will not be able to forgive, to let go of the hurt and the damage that has been done to us. If our spiritual sight has not been restored, we will not see that it is our job to move towards those who have hurt us to set things right. We will always only see that it is those who have hurt us, that it is their movement to us, that they are the ones who are to set things right. Well, um, Jesus gets done and he says this at the end of reading. And then he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. 
Uh, and all of them spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came out of his mouth. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Um, Jesus is saying, look, I am going to do all of these things. These are everything that is going to happen. Uh, and it begins here and now. And, and the people go crazy. They're like, yes, this is what we want. Uh, this, is, this is what we hope for, what we have longed for and dreamed for for all of this time. Um, but then Jesus ends up quoting another uh, passage. Uh, uh, well, probably he says, no doubt you will say to me, Dr. Cure yourself. Um, and he goes on to give some examples. And this really upsets everybody. And uh, uh, the reason that's the case is because, I, and especially with the example um, that Jesus gives, his hometown was, was hoping that he would bring them all of this salvation and restoration first. Maybe only for them. Only for Israel. Uh, but we get the sense in what Jesus is saying that, that all of the things that he's going to do that he's just said to proclaim release to the captives and year of the Lord's favor and recovery of sight to the blind that he is doing not just for Israel but for the sake of the entire world. Now Israel has grown to understand that they are God's best and most loved people. And uh, that they're the salvation that Jesus is bringing is just for them. And so this makes them overly mad. And they take Jesus and they are about to throw him off a cliff. Can you imagine that? But Jesus somehow, he, because he's God, he walks away. Um, but I wonder, I wonder if we think about, if we think about that. And we think about the, the movement that Jesus makes towards us in this passage. That uh, if we aren't a little bit like Israel, we are a little bit like um, Jesus's friends, that we want that first movement. We want Jesus to move towards us, to release us from our sin and in bondage to all of the things that keep us, uh, keep us down. We want God to do that for us. Uh, we want our relationships to be restored, and we want to be restored back to belonging in God's family and in, in our uh, and in our own families when when our sin has broken those relationships. Uh, we want forgiveness. Um, we want God to move towards us to make things right. That God would let go of all of those things that we have done, and that He would move towards us to make those things right. And we may even want our spiritual eyesight to be restored. So long as it doesn't cause us to see things that we don't want to see. But I wonder if we don't want then to make the corresponding move. Uh, the one in which we go and proclaim this good news for forgiveness and release. Uh, that we don't want then to restore relationship for those who are sinful. We don't want to restore back to community those who are sinful. Uh, we don't want to let go of the hurt and the pain that others have caused us. We don't want to forgive. And if we do, we certainly do not want to move towards the other to set things right. I think we want, and I think we said this a couple of weeks ago, uh, we want all of what God's salvation is, uh, but we want it for ourselves only. 
see, and, and maybe we don't want it without, we want it without repentance either. Uh, because I think, I think part of our repentance is not just moving away from our sin, but moving towards being like Christ and enacting a Christ-like ministry, which means restoring to relationship and community, which means forgiveness, which means us working to the setting of things right. Uh, I think, unfortunately, that if we were with Jesus that day, um, uh, that we would have been part of the crowd that tried to shove him off a cliff. Because all too often, we succumb to the temptations to use all of the good gifts that God has given us, forgiveness and release for ourselves and not for the sake of the world around us. It is my hope uh, that as we continue to understand what Jesus is doing in our world, what he's come to do, uh, that we would see those things happen in our own lives, and indeed I think we have, uh, but that we would see the corresponding move on our part, that part of our repentance is to enact the same kind of ministry that Jesus enacts. I hope and pray that's who we will become as we seek to love God with all that we have and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.